Welcome in. This is your live chat Wednesday afternoon live chat for this week's Mayakoba Golf Classic Worldwide Technology Championship at Mayakoba, whatever you want to call this. It's the golf tournament at El Camilion that one Victor Hovland gets to defend his title. This is the live chat. This time is yours. The next hour or so i don't know maybe longer if the questions are good i don't know what's going to happen throw those questions in the chat i'll get through as many as possible and no i won't answer all of them uh some i'm not going to answer the same question multiple times or if it's not a good question i might just end up skipping it or if i lose my spot i just might end up skipping it um what else click the like button make sure you're subscribed thank you very much let's jump into it oliver says hey rick two putting questions for you boom right out of the gate what type of greens Oh, what type of greens that we normally see are most similar to Paz Palm? Paz Palm is the uh, the green type that we have this week. And with Paz Palm greens, uh, will they get more bumpy as the day goes on? No, that's POA. Uh, POA kind of buds throughout the day. Um, I don't know if there is a very good comp that we normally see to Paz Palm. It is... Without getting super nerdy and terrible, it's a it's a wider blade blade of grass. It's it's this it's a type of grass that you could use throughout the entirety of the golf course and just cut it at different lengths, um, which is kind of interesting. Not all types of grass uh, can can kind of be used in in that way. I don't think it is. Um, it's one that we can really compare to. Uh, the idea is it's generally used by the coastline um, and it usually runs slower because it's used by the coastline. So it's a bit more amenable to salt water and uh, you usually see it, see it run slower on the stem. So I'm not going to try to comp it out. We can talk more about um, the problem that is past pollen, which is something I put into my, my newsletter for this week. So if you have not subscribed to that, the link is probably in the description that went out yesterday. Um, it's a pretty, pretty good one. If you ask me, Brady says, Hey Rick, thanks for the awesome content. Who is your favorite play other than Guido from 6,500, uh, to 7,500 Sam Ryder question mark. Um, thanks Brady. Yeah. So this is, uh, my website. This is rickrungood.com. This is the cheat sheet. Off the top of my head, it's probably Sam Ryder, but let's just see. 6,500 to 7,000 would be here. Guido certainly sticks out. Uh, Chris Kirk, I don't think would be the worst play ever. And yeah, I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Sam Ryder, right? I mean, if you if you missed out on some of the things that we've talked about with Sam Ryder this week, he is just a really, really good fantasy scorer, which I know is something we rarely talk about, but uh, it's a fantasy point game. So look, you can see in one, two, three, four, five, six of his last eight events, he's gained at least 20 fantasy points on the field. It's it's a pretty big number. Um, even when he finishes 51st or 58, he's gaining points on the field uh, because he makes so many birdies. He's able to make so many uh, uh, eagles or birdie streaks or things that that help out in that realm as well. Jack, uh, oh, Jack actually won a subscription, I believe. Yeah, hey, Jack. Uh, can you do a deep dive on Bryce Garnett? Also, could you run through a new custom model uh sure so let's start with 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 bryce here bryce garnett this is the golfer profile page um you're at, we're actually seeing a little bit of of steady improvement from bryce since i mean that's since the end of 2017 uh pretty good steady improvement let's see what he's done recently missed the cut the shriners lost strokes on approach has lost strokes on approach in three of five uh, he's played three events this year. It's been very accurate, which is a good sign with his driver. Hmm. 
I don't love this, Jack. I don't necessarily hate it. You're going to get an accurate driver who some weeks um, can gain on approach. Some weeks he can't. He's not a very good putter. There's probably a reason he's priced the way he is. Um, I'm like a four out of 10 in, in excitement level. And he says, hey, Rick, love the content as always. Thank you. Cashed a six of six last week. Thanks to your stuff. Can you please do a deep dive on Keegan Bradley for him? I have him in my lineups and it's terrifyingly. And it's terrifying, frankly. Uh, thank you, Andy. No problem. Let's look at Keegan. Remember, he was making gains with the putter a couple of weeks ago. Let's see if he's been able to keep that up. Oh, he played the Zozo. We don't have the putting numbers. Oh, my gosh. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to have the putting numbers um, for Keegan right now? T7 at the Zozo. Gained strokes putting at the Summit Club. And lost strokes on approach. That's a good sign. I actually think before the Zozo Championship, because I remember this stat profile, we were like, oh, yeah, he'll probably do well at Zozo because there's no way he's going to lose this many strokes on approach again. That's something he hasn't done in a year or more, a year and a half, and he continues to putt relatively well for him. So I think, yes, Andy, it is terrifying, but you are seeing, um, you're seeing him start to build towards something, aren't you? He's always going to be a good pr- approach player. He hits a lot of fairways. He's very good. Uh, he's very good with the driver, even though his his you know, three events this year, this season don't necessarily show that, but he's usually a very good driver of the golf ball. Um, and if he can fix the putter, I think it's, I think it's less terrifying than it should be. Chris says, Hey Rick, hope you're well, uh, you as well, Chris, is there data anywhere on players who gain strokes or typically play well on Sundays? I'm tired of my team always looking good on Saturday and faltering. Well, Chris, lucky for you. There is. Um, you can do this a couple ways. I'm on the Holy Grail. You can go to strokes gained by round. You can open up the filter. You can sort by round four. And you can, even if you would like, um, just focus that on maybe the last three seasons. We can sort by strokes gained total. And we can see that the number one player with any bit of a sample size is Patrick Reed. Then Terrell Hatton, 22 rounds there. Henrik Norlander, Justin Thomas, Hank Lebiota, he has a few, he has 21 rounds. Abraham Answer, Seamus Power, he has 21 rounds. So yes, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. The easiest way would be the Holy Grail, strokes gained by round. Click the fourth round, go for any time frame you want. Maybe you only want to get, maybe you want to get real freaky here. This is going to really lower the, um, what's the field strength this week? It is a three- 62. So let's say round four in strength of field 400 or less. This there might be there might be a very small sample size for a lot of guys, but let's see. Oh, look who's number one, Chris. Victor Hovland gaining nearly 2.4 strokes per round in the fourth round in fields where the strength of field is 400 or less. In fact, he's only lost three times. Wow. Interesting stuff, Chris. Thanks for popping in. Hey, Rick. Thanks for topping off my jock market account and all the great content. Oh, we'll talk about jock market. Um, Could you take a look at a matchup for me? Shane Lowry versus Billy Horschel. Sure. Let me pull that up. I did not have that page up, but I'm going to go to the head-to-head matchups tool uh, here on rickrungood.com. This is where you can put in any time frame that you want and uh, any two golfers against one another and uh, see the likelihood of one winning a four-round matchup over the other one. Shane Lowry versus Billy Horschel. Now, remember, Horschel is going to score worse in this. So the new version of, um, of this tool 
It will actually encapsulate uh, the Euro Tour stuff as well. But Billy Horschel, so j- to answer your question, I, I have Shane Lowry winning the 65% of the time, 66% of the time. But Billy Horschel's two wins are not counted in this. The match play and the win that he had on the European Tour a couple of weeks ago. So y- you got to remember that. That's probably much closer um they're probably much closer than than this is actually indicating at 66 to 33. Brendan says uh Graham McDowell week question mark um maybe I mean I guess I guess what you're going with here is the I think he's actually won here before but you're going with the accurate driver of the golf ball conversation um which was the idea at Bermuda, he finished T12, gained a lot of strokes there. Unfortunately, we don't know how he did it. Uh, Outside of that, he's been pretty sour. Um, But actually, I'll tell you what, man, are we at the point where Graham is just a specialist right now? So look at at the good results from McDowell. Uh, Butterfield Bermuda, last week, T12. His next best one, T4 at Punta Cana. That's a coastal Paz Palom course. Missed the cut in Punta Cana the the uh, the week before that, or the the start before that. Uh, Sony Open T four again right on the water. Don't have to be all that long. He won in Punta Cana. Okay, yeah, I'm convinced, Brendan. It's Graham McDowell week. Let's go. Uh, any tips on identifying breakout candidates since we haven't had shot link data for the last two weeks? Ooh, okay, that's a good question. So. The way that I would probably do it, and I don't, I don't have this handy. I'd have to run this, but the way that I would consider doing this is um, looking at guys that did not take advantage of par fives that normally do. Uh, also, uh, look at guys that had big scores, doubles, triple bogeys. Maybe they took penalty strokes uh, a couple of rounds in the same tournament. Those are the things: par five scoring, uh, penalty strokes, uh, big numbers that usually stabilize, right? So the more you play par fives, the more you get back to your baseline. Um, so if you have someone who dominates par fives or plays them usually at a 4.8 and he played them at, you know, 5.1 for the week, that's a, a, a noteworthy thing to see. Or a guy who hits like two balls OB or hits it into the water, like that's noteworthy as well. Those are things that really rack up your score, really hurt your strokes gained, really hurt your uh, positioning, but they're generally not happening round after round. Hey, Rick, do you feel that larger greens is an issue for Sergio? Kind of like him for an outright bet this week. Thanks for all that you do. So larger greens, uh, generally speaking, brings in uh, three putt, uh, three putts more often for these guys. So I think these greens are about 7,000 square feet on average. Uh, early in this season, Sergio is 88th in three putt avoidance. That is about average, a little bit better than the average. And he's been putting. I'd argue pretty well. Last last five events, he was a zero, plus five, zero, minus one, minus a third. That's a good stretch uh, because the tee to green play has always been there. Played well enough at the Ryder Cup. I'm okay with Sergio this week. Yeah, I'm like a six out of 10. Rick, new sub to the site. Thank you. Love the content. Damon keeps popping up on my model along with Strillman and Reevy. Thoughts on those guys? Um, there's a couple different ways we can do this. Let's do a, let's just go over to the Holy Grail. Let's find, uh, let's go to the stats page. Let's look at the last like 24 rounds for these guys and just see if we can, if we can find them here. So, um, let's do it like alphabetically. Cause that might be helpful for me. So Damon Streelman and Reevy. So Joel is here. 
Last 24 rounds, hitting a lot of fairways over 69%. That's good. 71% of his greens in regulation. That's good. Gaining in both of the ball striking categories. That's good. Okay, I've got that baseline. Kevin Streelman, losing off the tee by a small bit, uh, hitting more greens, hitting more fairways than Joel. But Joel's been about twice as good in strokes gain total. And then Reevy. Let's see what Reevy's been up to. He's obviously been hitting a lot of fairways, I imagine. Yeah, the most fairways. Gaining a ton on approach. Losing it all with the putter. And around the green. I'd probably rank them Reevy, Damon, Streelman. They all seem to fit, right? They're going to play out of the fairway. They're going to lean into the approach play. Reevy, you're going to ask to uh, fix the putter which I'm generally fine with, but uh, the other two guys, they're, I mean, Strillman's whatever. Damon, I think, is pretty good. And he won, what did he win? He won in, um, God, not per- Puerto Rico, um, Punta Cana, didn't he? Didn't he just win a Paz Palom? Now I got to look it up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, Punta Cana. Yeah, he won in Punta Cana. Okay, cool. The last few tourneys where the models uh, promote driving accuracy over distance have resulted in complete opposite is this is it advisable to go 50-50 in lineups? Is that true, John? Uh, or is that just your perception? So I, I guess I'll start this way. I'll I'll pull up the I'll pull up uh, last week's leaderboard. But the the idea of going with accuracy over distance never means that's the only way to do it, right? Uh, obviously, guys who hit it further are always going to have an inherent advantage. There are just some courses where distance is much more important. doesn't mean it's the only way to get there, but I mean, I'm looking at this leaderboard. Okay. Lucas here. Here's the leaderboard from last week. Lucas Herbert, Patrick Reed, Danny Lee, Patrick Rogers, Scott Stalling, Taylor Pendrith. Like who, who are the, who are the long hitters here? Rogers and Pendrith. No one's calling Patrick Reed a bomber. No one's calling Danny Lee a bomber. No one's calling Scott Stallings a bomber. Uh, or JJ Spawn or Peter Malnati or Seamus Power. I'm I'm a little bit confused by that question, John. I'm not sure our 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 realities are are aligning here. What are your thoughts on McNeely and DFS? Has decent form coming in and pretty good course history here at Mayakoba. I thought you mentioned him in a live chat a while ago. He does well on bigger greens. Well, very simple way to find that out. Let's go to the Holy Grail here and let's deep dive a bit of Mr. Mav McNeely. So a couple ways to do this. I will first start with uh, Paz Palom. So this will get you all your coastal courses, right? This will get you your um, your Puerto Rico Open, your Punta Cana, uh, that stuff. So we've got 14 rounds on Paz Palom. So he's got T26, T27, T12, and missed the cut at the PGA Championship. I'd be willing to throw that one out. Completely jacked field. Uh, conditions completely different. Yes, technically it was Seashore Paz Palom. I, I will actually throw that one out. So his his stats are actually uh, better there. Now let's go to the large green situation because that's something that you mentioned as well. So we'll go green size uh, large. And we will see he is eh, not particularly good. Let's see. Although these date back, yeah, I mean, he's he hasn't gained strokes on a large green event since the 2019 Shriners. Um, that was like seven events ago out of the 11 that he's played. I don't know if that's something you want to necessarily, you know, uh, use as gospel. Let's just look at his recent form. This season, so here's this season. Second cut, T38, T25, Zozo Championship was the last one. I'm like, I'm like a five out of 10, six out of 10. He's fine. 
Rick, I heard Congaree has Paz Palm Greens. Any correlation? Uh, I don't think that's true, Tom. Um, well, I can do it like this. Course key stats. Uh, I think I do I have Congaree in here? I do have Congaree in here. Bermuda grass. They're not Congaree. Um, oh, yes. Remind everyone to pound the like button. Thank you, Tom. While we're here, let me do a couple things. I'll try to answer a lot of these Paz Palm uh, questions here with something that I wrote in the, uh, the newsletter in the run good rundown. Actually, hold on before this expires. Uh, shoot. There's a super chat here. Sorry. Give me one second. So NCAAF nation two, four, seven. Thank you for the super chat. Certainly not necessary. Always appreciated. Can Vincent Whaley be trusted this week? And who is a player in the $6,000 range with top 10 potential? Uh, Sam Ryder definitely has top 10 potential. Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive on Vincent Whaley. If I don't do this now that expires, and I'm not going to be able to find that comment again. So I'm going to, I just want to jump into this right now. Um, Vincent Whaley. So coming off a good finish last week, right? T seven in Bermuda. That's always a good sign. Ninth at Barracuda. Uh, played well at the Corn Ferry. This isn't going to be a super strong field event, right? I think, I think generally speaking, yes, we can kind of trust him. I'm, I'm, I'm scared, but compared to some of his other peers in that price range, uh, it's not the worst thing in the world. And then top ten upside. So we're looking for someone kind of really volatile, kind of, um, you know, I don't know, can get hot. Maybe a Rory Sabatini right? We know what he did at the Olympics, uh, third place at the Shriners as well. He can kind of get hot. He has a lot of experience here. It's not a ton of great experience, but he's at least familiar with the golf course. Thanks again for the super chat. Um, let me try to get back to my spot here. And what I'll also do, uh, is remind everyone that there is a jock market power hour this evening. Uh, that is at eight 15 PM Eastern time. Joe Idoni and myself are going to take you through the final hour of the IPO phase. If you've never played on jock market, it is stock market DFS. That means that you can buy and sell shares of golfers. You can even short them, um, which is always a fun little thing that they've, that they've added and they are, they're growing like crazy. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it. I tweeted this out. Um, Austin became the first player to ever make a million dollars worth of trades. Uh, so congrats to you. They sent him a bottle of champagne. Like there's really probably no other, um, you know, like ground floor ish DFS or fantasy company that is like sending people bottles of champagne at this point, right? Like you're never going to get that from the big boys and it shows that they're growing and it shows that things are, are, are going well for them. And, and there's a lot of money to be made. It's kind of like a ground floor situation. Also I have on my site, um, for free. This is all the jock market data. What I did add is I added this golfer profile page. So I, if you've seen me tweet these out, um, I've, I've added these so you can go through and do a deeper dive on all of these players. So, uh, join us tonight. If you haven't deposited yet, use the code, uh, Rick R I C K that'll get you up to a $50 deposit bonus. Okay. Let me take a sip of water and I'll find my spot here. Mitchell says, who have you grown on and who are you less interested in? Um, and you did some homework on your guys. Okay. So a couple of things, and I'll relay this back to the newsletter. I think I've very much grown on Emiliano Grillo. Um, and the reason for that, I kind of laid it out. I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but I kind of laid this out in the run good rundown. We have a problem with Paz Palum. Uh, it's a very unique style of, of green and everywhere that we have it, there's no shot link data except for the PGA championship this year. However, we can still look at the results and we can still try to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So when you put the pieces of the puzzle together for Emiliano Grillo on Paz Palum, it turns out to be like 
almost overwhelming. Like you have to be like, okay, there's, there's probably something here because he's played 40 rounds, 10 tournaments on Paz Palom. He's never lost strokes to the field. Um, he's never missed a cut. His worst finish is 41st. He's got a 10th, a 9th, a 15th, a 3rd, an 8th, a 6th. Um, now, we're not going to be able to know if this is all from putting or any of it is from putting, but you have to start making some assumptions here, right? So if we look at this and say, okay, you know, uh, one, two, three, four, five, in, in six out of the 10 events that he gained, he, in six out of 10 events on past Palm, he gained at least eight strokes to the field. Um, so now if we look at his entire body of work, like how often is he gaining eight or when he's gaining eight strokes on the field or more, what is he doing? He's putting well, right? Like, like every single time, but once that he has gained eight strokes or more on the field in a tournament, he's gained strokes putting the only one he didn't, he actually won the fries.com open. So I'm putting the puzzle pieces together here guys and saying he probably puts well on this surface. We won't have any way to know that, but I'm saying he probably does. The guy that I've cooled on um, throughout the week. Oh, it's a good question. Um, I probably, I've probably cooled on Hatton or uh, sorry, Finau. Sorry. Wow. That was, uh, that was, I was thinking of the pivot. So because Finau is checking in at 18%, I don't think there's red flags on him. I think there's yellow flags on him. Um, I can get Terrell Hatton, who I actually kind of like at half the ownership. I just think it puts Finau in kind of a, a weird situation and that um, it just probably probably doesn't need to make his way into my lineups. Hey, Rick, says Michael Van Veen. Hey, Michael. Last week, there was a significant T-draw advantage. How is this week shaping up weather-wise? Okay, so here's the 10-day the in Playa del Carmen. Um, and let me get your comment out of the way so that we can see this. So Thursday morning, looks good. Thursday afternoon, looks good. Uh, Friday morning, looks fine. Friday afternoon, yeah. It's like 5 to 10 mile an hour winds. Um 10 to 30% chance of rain, maybe PM thunderstorms on Friday, but they're showing like less than a third of an inch. I'm not too worried about that. This can change at any moment, but as of right now, there does not appear to be a significant weather draw. Were there any signs that the T2 from Danny Lee was foreshadowed last week? No, I don't believe so. And I'm pretty sure it was like, not only was that not foreshadowed, uh, but like the opposite, right? I mean, I thought he'd been playing horribly coming in. Let's see. Missed the cut, the Fort Fortinet. Um, T20 at the Corn Ferry Finals, cut at the other Corn Ferry Tour. No, I mean, his last top 10 anywhere would have been the API in 2020. Literally the last event before shutdown. No. Is that right? That can't be right because... Or is this date wrong? Now I'm confused. Because we didn't play the RBC Heritage in April of 2020, right? Oh, you know what? That's the That was the original scheduled date, I think. I think I've got to go back and adjust that. Now I'm confused. JG, you just opened up a can of worms. I got to go look at that. Um, I think I'm showing the original date. I feel like Justin Thomas is getting overlooked in this field. Good in swing season. Uh, we're not supposed to call it the swing season anymore. Fall portion of the schedule. 
Good on past palms, sneaky good on short courses. What am I missing? I don't think you're missing anything. Uh, I, I've, I think I've actually described him this week as uh, fairly priced. Uh, I don't tend to invest in guys that are that are fairly priced, right? I mean, when you can get Hovland or or Answer or even, ha- I mean, there's other great guys in the tank here. You're nothing. He's he's a great player. That's why he's the most expensive one. It's why he is um, in most places the favorite to win the event. A couple of requests for some deep dives here. Shane Lowry. That's kind of an interesting one um, because I also believe Shane has played more recently on the Euro tour. So let me pull him up real quick. So here he is based on his PGA tour stuff. So good news for uh, Shane. Continues to be a very good approach player. Uh, him losing strokes on approach at the Summit Club was the first time he lost since the API, which was in March. Now, after that event, so CJ Cup was, or maybe it was in between then. Okay, no. The start before the CJ Cup, two weeks before the CJ Cup, he finished fourth at the Alfred Dunhill and a T17 at the BMW PGA Championship. That is a big-time event on the PGA Tour. So I'd actually argue we're seeing good stuff from Shane Lowry, and it's actually been better than this. Uh, so I've got no problem with Shane Lowry this week. On the Euro Tour. Sorry, I might have said PGA Tour. Hey, Rick, after changing my model to my liking, I'm taking a scary amount of Ryan Palmer. No question. I just need you to wish me good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> when will you put out your DFS fades and plays on Instagram? Are you asking me that because I promised that at some point? Or are you asking me that um, just like in general because you think it's a good idea? Um, maybe you should be, maybe I'll hire you. Because I don't know if I've ever promised that, but that's a good idea. Good, good idea. Coming soon. Really enjoy your content, Rick. With driving accuracy being huge this week and DFS scoring gaining importance, can you merge top DFS scores with driving accuracy? Yeah, I probably can. Let me think about how. So, so the best way that I would do that would be through the custom model. But, um, so I've got to load in DK points here, which is is in the next update. But what I'm trying to think about what I can do here. So, let me th- let me think. Let me think. I'm probably going to do it like this. I'll do a custom model of last 24 rounds, and I'll do. Um, I mean, we'll just go all in on this and we'll just do driving accuracy 50% or to your better 50%. This isn't perfect, but uh, give me till the next update and I'll have DK points gained in there as well. So here we go. This is a very, very like heavy, heavily weighted to two things. Abraham answer is number one. Russell Henley is number two. Kevin Strelman is number three. Victor Hovland, number four. Joel Damon, five. Mitchell, Swafford, Wise, Powered, Norin round out the top 10. That is accurate. That is fairways hit birdie and birdie or better over the last 24 rounds. Good luck. Good question. What are your thoughts on Norlander? That just caught my eye because Norlander was actually 12th on that list. So he's going to be accurate. He's going to be a good approach player. He's going to make a lot of birdies. I'm fine with it. Where would Henrik Stenson rank? Um, Like pretty far away 
Um, I mean, I just we haven't even seen him, right? When's the last time Stenson's now I gotta look it up. See, I hate when I get questions. Nope, not screen. I hate when uh I hate when I get questions and I just get like now I've got to answer it. Let's see. He's played uh he's played he's played four European tour events since the open championship. Fourth, third, fifteenth, and thirtieth. It's definitely better than I would have anticipated. Um, but no, we'll just we'll just wait and see. Are you still big on Aaron Wise? Arguably bigger. Oh, good question here. Is Hovland sort of like a buy and hold player in the outright market? Someone you can bet basically any week, much like much like Morikawa. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, for whatever reason, uh, Hovland tends to get himself in situations where he's like 18 to 20 to one. And Morikawa seems to get himself in situations where he's like 12 and then he's like 28. And then he's, it's just weird the way the books uh, take him. But yeah, let me, let me show you something. And obviously I am uh, incredibly partial to one, to one Victor Hovland. Um, and I, and I'm just probably going to FOMO bet him every single week because if I can be a part of his successes as a friend, I think that's great. But, but what you actually have is, one of the best uh, foundations on the PGA tour with the ball striking. Right. And I showed you that um, at some point this year, I've sh- or at some point this week, I've showed you this where if you load in literally everybody on the PGA tour, just n- not even this field, you sort by strokes gained ball striking of since the start of last season. And you go with anybody with like a decent sample size. The guys that you run into are John Rahm, pretty good at golf, Bryson, Morikawa, Corey Connors, Victor Hovland. Like that's, that's it. Right. And Hovland's and, and, and Hovland and Connors are the only guys who have done it for a hundred rounds. So right there, you've got the built-in baseline. Now the wins, the actual outright wins, Sebastian are going to come from, can he keep it together around the green and can he get a good putt, a good putting week? And I'm not sure we know enough. He's 24. He's going to try a lot of different golf courses. He's going to learn a lot of things. His growth is already on a great trajectory, we're going to learn about some of the better places and better surfaces for him. But yeah, I, I think he's going to have these weeks where he's a zero around the green and he's gains four with the putter and he's going to win. And that's going to be it. But he gives himself a really good baseline every single week. Um, Danny Lee has great course history and he's fresh off a T2. Are you in, uh, probably not Tokyo Swan just because what we saw, um, what we saw Danny Lee do last week was, was, was literally historic. Um, he, he had a birdie streak in all four rounds, which he's only the sixth player since 2018 to do that. And he actually was the highest scoring player on the fantasy slate last week. Not even the winner of the golf tournament was so, um, no, I, I think that that's probably not going to happen again, considering he is a general loser in, in DraftKings uh, points gained, right? He's just constantly losing 20 or 30 points to the field. He's missing a lot of cuts. I just, I, I'm not, I'm not in uh, actually. Okay. Here's a good one. Gooch. We have not talked about Gooch. So uh, he was probably the guy that uh, for good or bad, I, I just kind of, cranked my head at when I saw his pricing. And I think he's a flat $9,000 off the top of my head here, but this might be deserved. Look at the trajectory that he's been on since the the start of, of 2019, constantly going up and to the right. Really good sign here. Now we haven't seen him play, excuse me, since the CJ cup, 
gained five strokes on approach. You think that's that's hard for him to do? Well, he did it at the Shriners to start before. He also did it a couple starts before that at the Northern Trust. There are pretty few guys uh, that can gain five strokes on approach over the course of a single tournament, let alone do it three times in five weeks. Um, I would love it if he was better with the driver. Uh, might get himself in a little bit of, of trouble this week with that club, but um, if he can keep it out of some really awkward areas. This is a, a, a very good spot for Gooch. And let's see what his ownership is because he is, uh, he's kind of in a weird price. Yeah. 10.3. I have him at in terms of projected ownership, $9,000. I think that there's an argument. There's guys in the $8,000 range that you might prefer. There's guys right above that you might prefer. So it's kind of a we- really strange price for Gooch, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good things to, to point at. Uh, William says, is there any reason that you can think of that this would be a week? Brooks figures it out. Uh, no, <laughs> Brooks is generally speaking, one of the more difficult guys to handicap. The only thing you throw at, uh, with Brooks this week is you say, we definitely know that he has win equity right in any field that he has, that he, that he plays in. Uh, we definitely know he's going to probably, uh, you know, gain strokes off the tee, which is something he's done basically every event, uh, except for the masters dating back to the start of the calendar year. So those are good signs. Um, I have a lot of questions about the putter. Like you can see here, he's lost in three of his last five. I have a lot of questions about his approach play. He's lost in four of five and four of five with the putter as well. I think I miscounted there. So, uh, I have a lot of concerns, but there becomes a price for everybody, right? The price, I'd, I'd rather just bet him outright than put him in my lineups if you can get him at 35 to 1, which is a number that I've seen him, seen him at this week. If I put a gun to your, oh, hold on, this is a good question. Gregory says, my man, Rick, with your recent focus on DFS points gained, are you using this as a tiebreaker between players that rate out well in models or a higher emphasis at first blush? I think we should be using it as a higher emphasis at first blush. I'm obviously trying to kind of retrain my brain off of the constant use of strokes gains, which I love. Um, but we're not, I mean, it's so stupid, simple, right? Like DraftKings isn't awarding money based on who gains the most strokes. They're not, they're gaining it based on, I mean, Danny Lee last week's the perfect example. Um, finish T2 and be by far the highest scoring player on the slate. It's weird. It's weird. So uh, I think we should be using it more in general, but I've got to teach my brain to get there. Gun to your head. Whoa, damn, Jesus. Uh, Will Zalatoris or Cameron Tringale. Tringale's lack of projected ownership has me wondering about him. This is this always happens, though. This always seems to happen for a guy who, like, should have won, um, which when Tringale takes the lead, on Sunday afternoon in the middle of the evening at Zozo and then doesn't win. People see that as a fault and then they're not all that interested the next week. Tringale has been arguably, and I don't even know if I have to argue this, like one of the better uh, fantasy golfers of the year, maybe of the last two years. I don't know. Let's find out. I bet you I can find him on here. So yeah, here he is. 46 tournaments in the last two years. That goes back to the start of 2020. He's gaining 16 points to the field, uh, on average, which is, uh, actually if you go even more, I bet it's even better if you go just 2020, let's see. Yeah. 18.7. So if you go just 2021, he has gained more points to the field than anyone who has played as many tournaments as he has. Oh, sorry. Here's the screen. 
My bad. Um, here he is. So he's played 26 events in the calendar year. On average, 18 points gained to the field. Uh, actually, sorry. Charlie Hoffman has gained 1.3 more, and they played the same number of tournaments. But that's where you're at. Top of the stuff. Top of the top of the list. Henley and Gay or Rogers and Hoagie? Uh, I think it's Henley and Gay. Another tough week for DFS. Love it. Great content, Rick. Thank you. Um, these are generally questions I don't answer. Tommy, it just says, he named six players and says, is this a solid lineup? Um, I don't know anything about your risk tolerance. I don't know anything about the contest that you're putting it in. Golf is very, very weird. If it works for you, it works for me. I'm not going to spend your money uh, and I don't let you spend mine, uh, but good luck. When there is no strokes gain data at a tournament, do you still do they still count in recent rounds? Yes. So whatever whatever is available counts in recent rounds. So um, for example, there is always um, there's always birdie or better, right? There's always strokes gain total, right? That's always being counted because even without the lasers, uh, you can do strokes gain total. So it'll only be like, if there, like, you know, if there's not strokes gain approach, that won't be counted, but the round still would be, but yes, whatever is available for that round is being, is being counted. William says, Hey Rick, thanks for the content. Wondering which two players you prefer this week between Henley, Wise, Norin, and Gooch, probably Wise and Gooch. Safer pick Chez or Ryder. Um, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. I think it's Ryder. Uh, because even if he finishes 51st, he might be the 30th highest scoring player. That's my opinion. Rick, do you think this is a good spot to go back to uh, Taylor Pendrith? Interesting. So let's look at Pendrith here. And I think I'm getting close to the end of the questions. So if you have anything, throw them in there. Uh, now would be the time. Or if I missed it, loop it back in. Okay. Let's look at Pendrith because now we're getting more and more rounds on him. Taylor Pendrith. Actually, I want to do this strokes gained by. Let's do it like this. Here we go. So now we've got 46 rounds on him. There we go. And we have um, most of them coming this year. So this is pretty impressive. Uh, he has gained strokes to the field, no matter how small, in every event that he's played since the 2020 U.S. Open on the PGA Tour, the measured, you know, the measured rounds, obviously. So that's basically 10 straight. Uh, so really good sign there. I'm still concerned about this, the approach play, uh, which kind of got him into trouble on that where, where he kind of struggled, didn't make a birdie on, on, on Sunday, just never hit it close enough. Very, very impressive off the tee. And I thought he rolled the rock pretty well, at least last week in Bermuda. That's just the eye test, but yeah, I think he's shaping up to be, so uh, I would love to see more data because this is, this is not the path for the modern player is to lose strokes on approach every single event, but he does everything else pretty well. And we'll get more and more data on him. I'm I'm getting more optimistic. Any first round leader leans? I like Grillo's uh Grillo's ability to pop on this course. Yeah, sure. So I mean, if you want to do, you know, round by round stuff, uh, we can do that as well. So we can go first round. Let's open up the strength of field back up. Pendrith has actually been pretty good in first rounds. 
Justin Rose is in this field. Justin Rose lost six strokes in the opening round at Summit Club. And he's still at the top of this list. Kucher, Sergio. I mean, Sergio wouldn't be bad, right? A guy who's going to ball strike the heck out of it. Generally plays well in the opening round. Has been putting better. I wouldn't mind Sergio. I don't know what his number is. Keegan's always up here. Hmm. Sergio's pretty interesting. Why does the PGA Tour not take Shot Tracker on the road? I don't know, David. Uh, you're asking all you are. You are preaching to the choir, my friend. I have no idea. I mean, I imagine it's expensive, right? I, they're, they're, they're huge. They're, they are, um, if you've ever seen it, they're these towers with cameras that you have to, you know, erect all over the golf course. You then also have to teach volunteers how to do the technology. There might be language barriers when we go to some of these places. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But you're just you're just preaching to the choir. Um, oh, Ryan Palmer question. Ryan Palmer has not been good recently. Let's look. So why do I like Ryan Palmer is the question from Kyle. And again, I might just shrug my shoulders. I really have no idea. Let's see. 44th at Zozo has lost on approach in three straight, has lost with the putter in three straight, um, hasn't played particularly well since. The Zurich, that was a team event. That seemed to be an inflection point for him because before that, he had gained consistently off the tee, consistently with the putter. You're getting a lot of good results there, and then he just lost it. The putter's been so horrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what there is to be excited about here. Does he have Mayakoba history? Let's look. Let's go. We can actually go to full history too. Uh, click here for full history. Ryan Palmer. How much is he? Here he is. Oh, he's pretty cheap. Uh, 6,900. He's played here once. A 60th like eight years ago. I That's hard to get excited for. Do you have a Carlos Ortiz injury update? No, and I doubt that we will. Safer pick, Horschel or Hatton? Probably Horschel. He's been pretty darn good, right? He's been pretty darn good. Has a good history here. Hatton I like because he's not safe. You know, he's T2 or 67th, something like that. Mito or Henley? Still probably Mito, right? I mean, Henley's Henley's fine, but come on. Wondering how you feel about Scheffler's accuracy, driving accuracy for this place. Well, very simple way to do this. Let's just do, uh, I don't know how many rounds we're going to have to do here, but last 24 rounds, fairways, uh, stop me when you see Scotty Scheffler's name. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Found it. Uh, 58%. That is below average. That's near the bottom, actually. Um, along with Taylor Pendrith and my guy, Sam Ryder. Yeah, I guess I'd be worried about it a little bit. He does everything else really well, though. Even though he missed a lot of fairways, he hits a ton of greens, which is why you see strokes gain approach being his best his best attribute here. And what I kind of do like, this is a weird little course. I like these guys that play, uh, who gain across, you know, in all four categories. That's a really safe thing. So Scotty Shuffler's probably not going to burn you even if he misses fairways. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it. Maybe just use it to break ties. 
Hey, Rick, best of luck this week. Thoughts on Johnny Vegas? Uh, sure, let's see. And the way he can get his irons going is the rest of that question from Andrew. Oh, man, he sure can, can he? Yeah, wow, he's been really good. I mean, he's always had the driver, right? He's always had this. He's always had the off the tee game. But look at this approach play. So he has gained one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight out of nine. And a lot of them are multiple strokes per week. I'll tell you what, this is probably a much better stat profile than I would have expected from Johnny Vegas. I knew the off the tee stuff was going to be there. I'm surprised by the approach play. When did that start? Zurich? So that was like May. Let's do this. Since May. It's always good to cherry pick a stat. Since May 2nd of 2021. Best ball strikers in this field. Yeah. Look at this. Mito, 40 rounds. Victor, 49 rounds. Eugenio Lopez Chacara. I'm definitely sure I pronounced that right. He only has four rounds, but he's been good. Kyle Stanley, no surprise. And Johnny Vegas is fifth. And that's with no minimum, no minimum rounds. That's really darn good. I'm surprised by that. And it's not like he's even been bad. He's a zero around the green and a small negative with the putter. Why are we not playing Johnny Vegas, Andrew? What's happening? Why aren't we playing? Maybe we should be playing Johnny Vegas. Am I missing something? That's pretty darn good, guys. Good call. How do you size your bets in the outright market? Do you have the same amount on each player or do you calibrate the size to your confidence? Um, to my confidence, no. So I actually have a video that I will, uh, I was going to say I'll link here, but I don't think I can do that in a live thing. Um, if you go to my YouTube channel, there's something called like how to build a golf betting card. I made a video about this. Maybe I'll redo it this off season where the bets are, uh, it's on the homepage, rickrungood.com. Maybe I can find it here. Um, where basically, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here it is. Here's the homepage uh, down here, how to build a golf betting card. Go to that. Um, basically, it will be how much I'm willing to spend in a given week, how much I want to win if I want to get an outright correct, and then uh, based on uh, uh, those two things and the player's odds, my bet is chosen for me. So just very simple example. If I want to win $1,000 uh, every time that a uh, I win an outright and, I, and I'm willing to spend $100 a week, uh, if a golfer is 10 to 1, I have to bet $100 on that golfer. Now, I cannot bet any other golfer. Uh, but if a golfer is 20 to 1, I will bet $50. So now my my unit, my bet size is being dictated by my risk tolerances and the odds. Uh, and then it helps you make decisions that way. Can I get an invite, says Dan the man, when you host the inaugural Victor Hovland Poker Tournament the next time the tour is in Vegas? Sure. Yes. The next time the tour is in Vegas uh, and the next time that we hold an inaugural Victor Hovland Poker Tournament, you're all invited. That'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> I think I missed something in the comments. Okay. Davis Riley question mark. Uh, so Jack's Zach, I almost called you Jack Zephyrs, Zach Jeffers. 
Davis Riley, I believe, was third in birdies last week. Not a player I'm familiar with, but with Bermuda as a comp, is he someone to ride again? Let's look at Davis Riley because, again, he's he's one of these guys that we are getting just kind of a growing number of, of um, rounds on here. Let me make sure I have all my filters off. I do. Okay. So Davis Riley. We don't know how he played at the Bermuda, but we can kind of make an assumption because he's generally a decent ball striker. Uh, yeah, I mean, look at this. So made the cut at the Puerto Rico Open, finished T7 in Bermuda, has played four times already this year, cut twice, T56, T7, but the cuts and the information that we do have, it's kind of short game related. I'm not as worried about that. Um I don't love it. I think it's, I mean, he's technically losing across the board in his 46 rounds, but it's close to zero. I, I get it. If you want to try to ride the hot hand, that's fine. I, I don't think I'll, I'll make a stance on him. Finally, last, sorry, I'm, I can't read. Filling last position on my roster and Nate Lashley, $6,500 fits. He's showing fifth overall in putting. Let's look at the old Nate Lashley. Remember that time he just boat raced everybody uh, and went wire to wire after getting into the event on Wednesday night? Wow. You're darn right he puts well. So that's usually a scary thing though, Matt, um, because look at this. So he has gained, let's see, 14 strokes total in his last three measured events. 14. No, more than that. 16. Basically 17. Um. Has he ever done anything like that before? Well, considering he lost at least two putting every event from Wells Fargo to the 3M, probably not. Um, gained nine the week he won the Rocket Mortgage. That was the week I was referring to. So no, this is either an anomaly or a new found something with Nate Lashley. If you believe it is the latter, throw him in there. We've seen him get hot. We've seen him do it. B Henson says, is Rick the nicest guy in the golf betting community? Love your stuff and how you interact with your subscribers. Thanks for all that you do. Uh, thanks. I don't know if I am. I, I highly doubt that, but thank you. I appreciate it. This is, this is fun. So it's funny. My, my wife and I talk about this, um, all the time. I don't know why we talk about this so much, but it's like, if we didn't have to work anymore, like, what would we do? And she's like, Oh, like I like travel and go to the beaches. And I'm like, I would just like have a golf data website. Than a golf data YouTube channel. Like, this is just what I want to do. So I'm, I always get stoked when you guys uh, enjoy it as much as I do. What are your thoughts on going back to Brian Stewart this week? Really low ownership after he disappointed people. Yeah. So it, this isn't specific to Brian Stewart, but I think that the three guys that uh, are worth giving one more crack to, uh, and the other two guys played well, it's, it's, it's Stewart, Knox, and Gay. The idea that if we liked those guys last week on a course that should reward accuracy, um, why wouldn't we play them again this week? Most people are discarding Brian Gay. Most people are discarding Russell Knox, discarding Brian Stewart. Um, this is probably the only other time you have to play him all year or should consider playing him. So I just think that we, we're so quick to move on. We should probably uh, stick with those guys. What was Brooks's number leading up to waste management? I have that somewhere. I think I have that. Um, Holy Grail, Fantasy, it's under odds, I believe. So let's go to Brooks. Oh, I have I have it. The, I have it starting the next week. Uh, I want to say it was like twenty five or thirty to one. 
because he had missed these three straight cuts at Farmers Insurance, American Express, and Mayakoba. Then he wins out of the blue. Then his odds go to 25, so he was probably 35. He might have been 40, actually. I feel like I remember a 40. Another great week of content. Thank you. Any lean on Billy Ho versus Scheffler? It's probably Billy Horschel, right? Billy Horschel has been really good guys. Um, you know, obviously golf happens in other places besides the United States, but look at his, here's his history. Here's his full history. Fifth and eighth, the last two years, 21st. Uh, he missed the cut in 17 and then had a 30th and a 13 and 12 and 11. So he's played here six times. Five of them are top thirties. He's playing well. Sure. Let's go. Who would you choose Vegas or Neiman? Um, probably listen, I, I get the Neiman love, but he's going to be super popular, right? Let me see. I have Neiman checking in at 19.3%. I have Johnny Vegas checking in. Ah, wow. 16 and a half. I don't think he's going to be that high. I'd probably go with Vegas. Will says, how do you distribute your ownership percentages each week. Uh, is there a player pool size versus number of weekly entries to target? This is uh personal preference. Uh, I, you know, I keep a very, very tight core, meaning I play just a few guys um, in a lot of lineups. And then if that core hits, I'm going to be rich. And if it doesn't, I'm going to whiff on everything. Some people don't want to do that. Um, so this is unfortunately uh, personal preference, one that I can't answer. Rick Vegas has been chalk every tournament he's played for the last six months. Is that true? Maybe really let's find out. I play, I played him a while. I was playing him for a while. Uh, yeah, he has been 34%, 16%, 16, 11. That's not too chalky. 16, 18. Hmm. Apparently he has flown under the radar to me. Did I miss the weekly model question? Uh, I don't know if I ran, I ran like a weird new model. I ran, um, let's see. I ran this one, 50% accuracy, 50% birdie or better. Cause someone asked about it. If I had to rerun it right now. And again, I might just run the same thing I ran on Monday. I don't remember what it was, but let's, I would go with, um, I would probably, I'm, I'm like 30 on accuracy, 30 on birdie or better. Uh, 10 on distance, which gives me a modified off the tee and then 25 it, whoops, 25 ish on approach. How much does that leave me? It leaves me with five. All right. I'll just do 30 on approach. Then my top golfers are, oh boy. Oh boy. Russell Henley, Victor Hovland. Hudson Swafford, Joel Damon, Aaron Wise, Mito Pereira, Kevin Streelman, Abraham Answer, Taylor Gooch, Henrik Norlander. I'm okay with that. Can we look at Hudson Swafford? He's less than 1% projected ownership, and I think he's shown up in every single model that I've run. Oh, yeah. Because every single model that I run does not include around the green or putting. Look at these. He's lost around the green. Every event dating back to the travelers one two three four five six seven eight nine ten in a row the putter's iffy he actually can get hot with the putter 
but the ball striking is generally pretty good, or at least back to Wyndham it's been. Yeah, so no wonder. All of my all of my models like are basically last six tournaments, ball striking, disregard the things that, that he does poorly. No wonder he continues to show up. Okay. Um, it might be lunchtime. Here's what I'm going to do. So if anything pops up in the next... Let me let me do my little announcements here. But if a question a good question pops up, I'll I'll answer it. So a couple of things to note. Uh, if you like what you see, hit the like button for me. Thank you very much. Make sure you're subscribed. Get a membership to rickrungood.com. I love it. You're gonna love it. Everything's great. Um, and constantly getting better. There is another live chat tonight, 8 15 p.m. Eastern time. Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That is the Jock Market Power Hour. Additionally, there is a Friday live chat. That's um what time is that gonna be at? This is the cut sweat show, which we'll, we'll just have some fun. So it's going to be at 4 p.m. Eastern time. So that is uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, that's right. 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's the cut sweat show. We'll look at your your six of six rates, your five of five, five of six rates. We'll look at your uh, you know weekend bets to make. It'll be a fun time. Um, what else do I have? What else do I have? Uh, Dan says, Hey Rick, do you still use a weekly cascading core like in your video or do you use the model to create your lineups? A little bit of both. When I play 20 max, I generally do the core cascading method. Uh, when I just kind of make like single entry or whatever, I usually just use the model. So a little bit of both. Oh, also we are, uh, we are rapidly heading towards the end of the season. However, there's probably going to be a, a draft Kings event for hero world challenge. Uh, but there might be like a couple of weeks where there is not a, an event, although maybe the European tour will. So we'll see. So I, what I'm doing is I'm creating some like ever, not evergreen, but like some deeper dives into specific topics, like one and done strategy or, uh, certain specifics about betting or whatever. If there's anything you want to see speak now or forever, hold your peace. Uh, probably don't put it in the live chat cause I'm about to end this, but if you comment on the video or you tweet at me or you email me, that would probably be a good way, uh, to get in touch. Otherwise I believe, uh, I'm going to go eat lunch now, which I'm very excited about. I'm wishing you all the best. We all know Victor Hovland's going to win this golf tournament. So make sure that you get your bets in and otherwise, um, go pet a dog and talk to you later.